1: In Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 30th of November 2022 and this is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in markets and business. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scuddy. you just wrote the market wrap. What do you make of the day? Not too shabby by the end of the session.
2: No, highest close since May 30th, up uh, over 6% in November. It's all hunky dory, and it's all pretty much the same things we've been talking about for much of the month low volumes and hopes that inflation may be peaking.
1: Yeah, so why don't we get there then? Just for those of you tuning in, the local market finished higher by four tenths of a percent to 7,000. 284 week to date now we're in positive territory up by three-tenths of a percent but yet to scuddy's point up by six percent but i did digress there for a sec because we want to get across this monthly inflation report that came through today of course there are headlines now being written have we seen the peak of inflation here in australia just because the pace did slow in october scuddy what do you think
2: Mm, it's a tough one. Look, uh, at some point in the next couple of months, we're always gonna go and top out. There's always gonna be that point where base effects and the like kicked in but uh, look, today's one was a big material undershoot, both in the trim mean and the headline figures. A lot of it, though, was to do with the reweighting of the inflation basket, because of course we've had our spending patterns altered so dramatically over the past couple of years. That's now being incorporated a lot with how it's been constructed of the CPI basket. So a lot more weight going into goods rather than services and, and experiences spending, and that may explain why we saw the undershoot. Without it, it still would have been a little bit hotter than what we would have saw in the actual figure. But that being said, it's, uh, look, it looks like we're probably there enough about at set the, uh, the peak for inflation this cycle.
1: Yeah, ComSec points out that with the previous CPI weights, the annual rate would have printed at 7.1%. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, that's still very high inflation, but that would still represent a step down in the annual pace of inflation from the previous month. So look, what it means is that we will now be having, I think, you know, those that had already expected a 25 basis point hike coming from the Reserve Bank in December you know, tooting their own horns. Uh, Do you think that we'll start to see some revisions coming from those who had expected to see a more significant hike coming through from the RBA?
2: Yeah, look, it's 25 or nothing next uh, next month when it comes to the RBA. That's almost a dead certainty now. Look, they probably will go 25 and they've got the time on their side. There's no meeting, of course, uh, over the summer months in January. Uh, which gives them plenty of time and plenty of data to go and look at as well, including the uh, more updated and more comprehensive quarterly CPI report, which is a lot more movements in prices than the monthly series at this point in time. Uh, But look, uh, they're getting very close, I think, to that point where we might go and see the peak for this cycle. You know, the markets have got a lot more priced in. Uh, There's a lot of momentum still in the labour market. We know that. But uh, we know that about the, uh, that mortgage reset uh, risk that comes through in the second quarter, third quarter next year. That is a material hit to household incomes, and that will surely sap demand and probably work to go and lower inflationary pressures.
1: Yep. Now, um, you know, the market was pretty positive in the wake of that inflation read because it was a bit touch and go this morning. Obviously, a lot of concern about China immediately, although I, I do note if I just take a look at Chinese markets, uh you know, mostly positive, at least now they're still trading. As a caveat, while we're recording this podcast, um, but but Jerome Powell speaks tonight, and there, yeah, big weight of expectation as to what he will say. Had a good chat uh, with a couple of guests earlier today, and you know, uh, we've had the other Fed speakers, Bullard, Williams, come to mind just in the past couple of days, pump priming the markets for a hawkish. Fed Powell they don't want markets to get you know too excited they do want to reinforce that there will be further rate hikes coming and increasingly the conversation that I'm having is turning to no rate cuts in 2023 that we might have to wait till 2024 so expectations for Powell tonight Scuddy.
2: he's gonna have to be pretty hawkish Very hawkish, actually, uh, because the markets just don't want to pay attention to the message. And that's pretty clear from what we're seeing with the market movements over the past uh, month or so. There's been a big loosening in financial conditions, and unlike in Australia, where so many borrowers are at a whim to what happens at the front end of the uh, of the curve, and uh, when it comes to those near-term borrowing costs and the movements that come through in the cash rate, it's it's a different mechanism in the United States, which means that the Fed has to basically go and use the longer end of the curve to go and try and tighten things up, to go and get the U.S. dollar stronger, to go and widen credit spreads, no lower stock prices, and also go and boost. Uh, longer dated yields that goes and flows through to the mortgage market which is a real complex job and it requires that you've got to go and as your message pointed out go and point out that we're not going to go and expect to go and see rate cuts coming through anytime next year and that the end point for the tightening cycle will might might be higher than what was originally first thought now will that be enough though to go and rock the boat because the markets I would have thought would have got that priced in by now. But I guess we're going to find out come about 5.30 a.m. tomorrow morning on the Can't east coast wait. of Australia.
1: My Twitter will be going off as will yours. I had a good chat with Phil O'Donoghue from Deutsche Bank today. He got me across the global outlook from Deutsche Bank. Interesting to note, they are pricing in the chance of a U.S. recession at 80%. And he lays out the playbook for equity. So Q1, Q2, it's Q3 that we'll see a real sell-off in terms of equities for the S&P 500 in particular, but interesting to note that by the end of the fourth quarter they see equities back where they were at the first quarter. So a pullback, but uh, look, if you're a forward-looking investor uh, that's something to keep in mind and you can listen to that interview, it's up online. Um, I also spoke with uh, David Sikulski from Carrara Capital, a really good conversation there. He reckons that the real opportunities won't come until, you know, the first half of 2023. And that's for equities uh, in terms of, you know, the selling that's still going to happen and and credit as well. So I really encourage you to take a listen to both of those interviews, which are up online. Um, Scotty, look, uh, China, I kind of glossed over that, but we did see a slight pullback in Dalian Iron Ore futures because we did see factory activity contract in China. Don't forget we did have a bit of China um, China data today. So really being weighed down by COVID-19 curbs, no big surprise, softening of global demand. And so, you know, China China's a a pain, a pain um a, you know, pain spot if you can call it that for for global economic growth. But still, it was the miners that really carried the day today, wasn't it on equities?
2: Yeah. No, no concern about uh, the, the rumors yesterday weren't entirely true. Uh, there's clear movement towards trying to go and open up, but uh, those movements all stuck and, and then added to it today, as you mentioned, the mining sector. And there was no rally or follow through buying in daily nine or ore futures. The in fact, they're lower than where they were a couple of days ago right now, but you wouldn't know it by the performance of the mining sector and the strength of the Aussie dollar as well, you've got to factor in that as well. There's just so much positivity out there at the moment. Which begs the question: the date that we're looking at right now is November 30. How much of what we're seeing now is reflective of the movements that we saw over the course of the broader month? Because I noticed that energy sector was initially lower today, mm-hmm. and it came home like it had a rocket up it uh, <laughs> to go up 1.8% or so far the end of the other session. And uh, it was one of the uh, other standouts as well that we saw during the month. So I wonder how much, you know, a bit of uh, window dressing and making things look a bit uh, cute and tidy were responsible for today's moves.
1: Okay. So, um, look, we had a number of stock-specific stories today helping to drive things. Temple and Webster, for example, uh, was talking about its earnings guidance, reiterating that. It says that it's still looking to return to double-digit growth in FY23, even though revenue is down 3%. Uh, on the year from um, October to November. But, you know, uh, shares were up by 12.6% today. Whitehaven Coal just can't put a foot wrong. It was up yet again today. Saw some price target revisions upwards from Bell Potter to the downside by Morgan's, but still that share price was up by more than 8%. On the flip side of things, we had uh, Brevera Solutions. It was down uh, by close to 6%. And Collins Food, again, in the wake of yesterday's update, shedding even more uh, in terms of its share price, and it had a couple of price target cuts coming through as well. But um, we had uh, Retail Food Group, out today and the market really did react positively to the update coming from Retail Food Group. So it's interesting to compare and contrast, uh, you know, w- what was coming from, from these two sort of uh, companies that are leveraged to consumer spending, that are leveraged to, uh, you know, to, to services and food essentially.
2: Yeah, and it's gotta be said coming from very different market positions as well, uh, given the share price performance over recent years. Uh, one's a big turnaround story, And one's, uh, you know, coming off its heart. Maybe its uh, feathers have been plucked to use another pun. We
1: have popcorn, chicken. Okay. That doesn't give us a good indication of what was the stock of the day on the call because it was, in fact, a commodity of the day, lithium. So Henry Jennings, uh, I think he's been affectionately called the lithium king. I don't know if I... Anyways, I'll move past that. And Mark Gardner from Macro Capital weighed in on some of these lithium stocks. Listen in. So it, I think that the long-term outlook's very good. There's always gonna be some lumps and bumps. Yeah, uh, We're going through that at the moment. You shake the trees and the monkeys fall.
2: At the moment, realistically, we, um, e- explorers are off the menu for us completely. Uh, We've next in line producers and producers basically uh, what we're keeping it to. Um, We've, we've got a fair bit of a focus. I think the next sort of commodity squeeze will more likely be copper.
1: So yeah, that was a show dedicated to lithium. You know, had a conversation with Blair Hennon from Global X ETFs, just talking about this persistent decarbonization theme that was reinforced at the COP gathering and just the opportunities here in Australia, at least, are mostly geared toward the miners. That interview's up online. If you'd like to have a listen, As well. Hey, did you have any great conversation? Oh, of course you had great conversations. Anything sort of stick out to you that's either challenged your thesis when it comes to market Scuddy or the macro or perhaps, you know, something that you sort of gleaned that you really agree with as well?
2: Uh, Look, always have fantastic conversations. Uh, I'm not going to go into the uh, the nuances as to whether I agree or not with some of the guests. You can probably tell by some of my questions and answers about uh, how I'm thinking. I'm pretty uh, pretty obvious in that sense. Look, uh, Vivek Dar from uh, the Commonwealth Bank, he was my guest today on The Global View. And I thought I'd do a bit of commodity special there and get a sense as to what is going to really move in the commodity markets, in his opinion, when China does eventually open up and what form of opening up as well takes place. And uh, that was a really good conversation. Conversation and uh, he gave his tip, uh, now, which is aligned with the other uh, battery material space, but isn't lithium as to what he likes out there at the moment for that China reopening place. So I encourage you to go and take a listen and view that video on the show notes when you get the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Also, um, we had a really good small cap special today. Spoke with Stephen Scott. Um, he talked a lot about whether small or big caps are likely to outperform in 2023. Also, how algos are impacting small cap trade on the ASX in particular. And now I know that we've had some viewer your feedback about that one. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the small caps, just go to ausbiz.com.au and you can listen there. We also spoke with Aurora Biosurgery, which is June Jumbelew's um, one of her consistent picks or buys on the call so we spoke with the ceo in the wake of its half yearly result yesterday uh look other than that you know we had uh, a bit of a bit of news coming from, you know, Marley Spoon. We had a bit of news coming from the likes of Carbon Revolution. It uh, is in a $200 million merger with a U.S.-based SPAC. We had uh, some information as well coming from ReadyTech, an improved offer on the table. So there is lots of this corporate news out there, and we cover it in depth with a lot of our, our, you know, our investment analysts and our stock-specific uh, guests. So I, I do hope you can join us for that. We um, Also available by the show notes is a chat that you had actually with John Milroy from Ordmanette. So talking a little bit about the banks in this uh, interest rate environment. So there's lots to sort of catch up with online um, as you see fit. Um, Scotty, what, I mean, obviously we'll be talking about Powell tomorrow morning, and then that will take us sort of to jobs on Friday. There's a lot for us as investors and central bankers to get their heads around for the remainder of the week.
2: Yes, I dare say that uh, we probably will be talking about uh, the ADP report as well. And I uh, feel comfortable enough starting to go and at least mention it on the program now after it's been retooled. I said I made the pledge that I'll never mention it on the program again after some of the shocking seasonal adjustment revisions we saw earlier this year. But uh, they've retooled it, and it looks a little bit more robust in the early days. So we'll see what goes, so he has to go and say. might give us a bit of a cider for payrolls later on the week. That comes, of course, with plenty of caveats attached. Yeah. But you're right, it's going to be all about power, what, what tone he goes and sets tonight. Uh, I, it will have to be very hawkish. That's the one thing that uh, I'm almost certain of about it's just whether the markets are going to listen, and that's uh, the key thing at this point in time. It's going to be end of month. It could get pretty messy out there.
1: Yeah, we've got Fed Governors Bowman and Cook speaking. We've got the Fed Reserve's beige book tonight, so that tells us what's happening in the regions. We get the JOLTS job openings. We get wholesale inventory, the Chicago PMI, an estimate, the second estimate, actually, of Q3 GDP in the States tonight. As if that's not enough, we've got uh, European inflation do. And we know that that's going to be, um, yeah, a reflection of energy and fuel costs. And and they've actually started to ease from some of those record highs. So it'll be really interesting to get that read for the month of November in the Eurozone. I I reckon we are going to struggle to fit in all of the analysis tomorrow. (laughs) Scotty, what do you think? Thoughts
2: and prayers for Scotty doing the big picture tomorrow. There's going to be a little bit to go through, including the CoreLogic House Price Index and everything else that we've released here, including private at the CapEx. We haven't even got to the local calendar. Oh, God, plenty no. need to go and digest.
1: Yeah, so we're looking forward to, uh, to tomorrow. I've got uh, a list of some great guests, and, of course, it's the 1st of December. Hard to believe, but we'll be speaking with Tony Crescenzi from PIMCO. It always is so well-timed that we speak with him. First thing, in the wake of uh, Powell speaking, Zach Rias from Tree is joining us at nine, always provides some stock picks. So does Joshua Barker from Macro to make sense of what happened overnight. Tina Tang is joining us from CMC Markets in New Zealand as well tomorrow. And don't forget to watch Wicked Problems. It goes to air live on ausbiz.com.au at 1 p.m. Taking a look and tackling some of these big, Nationwide problems, particularly when it comes to advice. And uh, if you do miss it, it will be put up online after the fact. Look, I'll stop it there, Scotty. Unless you've got something that we really need to add.
2: No. Good luck, Monsieur Powell.
1: Yeah, and we will be hanging on every word, Scotty. Have a good night.
2: You too. Take
1: care. Bye.